Hello and welcome to our first mini episode of Love Your Library, the Hampshire Libraries podcast. I'm Mary Stone and I'm delighted to introduce you to the talented writer Hannah Jameson. According to Amazon, Hannah wrote the first draft of her debut novel, Something You Are, when she was 17 years old. It was shortlisted for the CWA John Creasy Dagger Award in 2013. Since then, she's written several novels to high acclaim. Her latest novel is a post-apocalyptic thriller called The Last. It follows the story of an American academic trying to find out who murdered a girl in a Swiss hotel. It's set in the aftermath of a nuclear war that has destroyed most of the Western world. My co-host Kate Price McCarthy met up with Hannah to talk about her latest release. Here she is reading a section from the book. Day three. Nadia once told me that she was kept awake at night by the idea that she would read about the end of the world on a phone notification. It wasn't exactly Kennedy's sort of Damocles speech, but I remember that moment word for word. For me, three days ago, it happened over a complimentary breakfast. Breaking, nuclear attack on Washington in progress, story developing. Breaking, 200,000 fatalities estimated, say experts. Breaking, confirmed, president and staff among dead in nuclear explosion, awaiting more information. Then there was some aerial footage from London, and we all watched the buildings vanish into dust in real time, under an iconic pillar of cloud. That was the only footage available, so we watched it over and over. It didn't seem as real as the headlines. Maybe we had all been desensitised to the imagery by too many movies. Watching a whole city vaporise like that seemed too fast and too quiet. A plane went down on the outskirts of Berlin and we only knew Berlin was gone because someone in the plane had uploaded a video of them going down. Dust in the engines, maybe. I can't remember what she was saying. She was crying and hadn't been speaking English. It was probably just goodbye. Breaking, nuclear weapon detonates over Washington, hundreds of thousands feared dead. Breaking, Canadian Prime Minister calls for calm as nuclear attack hits US. Breaking, US without government as a nuclear bomb devastates Washington. Maybe I was lucky, watching the end of the world online instead of living it, reacting to an explosion or a siren announcing one. We're not gone yet. This is the third day and the internet is down. I've been sitting in my hotel room watching what I can see of the horizon from my window. If anything happens, I'll do my best to describe it. I can see for miles over the forest, so when it's our turn, I imagine I'll have some warning. And it's not like I have anyone to say goodbye to here. I can't believe I didn't reply to Nadia's text. I can't believe I thought I had time. Thanks very much. And that's pretty much right at the start. Yep, that's the first chapter. An abridged version. Thank you. For, uh, of the last. And it's subtitled One Hotel, 20 Survivors. So could I kick off then by just getting you to give us what is the premise of this, well, the intriguing premise of this book? The premise of the book is um, it's essentially a post-apocalyptic murder mystery. Um, It's set in the months immediately following the outbreak of nuclear war, and it's narrated by a historian, an American historian, stranded in a hotel in Switzerland with 20 other survivors who are waiting for an evacuation which never comes. And um, the murder mystery element is that a few months into their long, long wait, they find a girl's body in one of the rooftop water tanks, and John becomes obsessed with the idea that a killer is in the hotel, and he begins on this misguided or maybe not investigation into what might have happened to her. And it's 
the description of how people might react and what would happen to the world if this should happen is frighteningly realistic. And I'm intrigued to know how much time you spent researching this, imagining how yourself would react, I guess. Um, how much time did you think about that before you started putting pen to paper? Um, well, it's a, it's a subject that I think about a lot anyway. Um, I read a book on um, sort of disaster psychology. Um, I annoyingly can't remember its title, but it's something called like when the worst happens or worst mm. case scenario, something like that. And um, it's all about how people either react to things by freezing, um, fighting or fleeing. Um, and I started this book in sort of the first month of 2017. So it was just after the US presidential election. And it was inspired quite heavily by the amount of nuclear war jokes um, that were happening sort of online. Mm. And, um, you know, nuclear war was suddenly an anxiety that was permeating um, our culture again. And I thought that was really interesting. Like, along, you know, between the sort of nuclear anxiety and the sort of looming existential threat of climate change, um, I tend to write what I'm scared of or what I'm pondering. Um, and one thing I've, I've wanted to explore recently is, um, you know, how we react to the possible end of end of Western civilization or the end of humanity, sort of as we know it. Um, so that's where the last came from. I'm intrigued because at one point um, the narrator talks about how he will deal with it, maybe by writing it down. Oh yeah, writing is definitely a form of therapy. Uh, it's how I uh, channel any feeling of sort of despair, sadness or frustration, um, hopelessness. It, it all comes out in, in my writing. Um, and I think especially like there's a lot of these emotions to channel with regards to our political situation at the moment. And um, I remember reading a really interesting theory um, shortly after the election of Donald Trump in the US, where um, it, it felt like a grieving process that everyone was going through. Like everyone was in such a state of shock because we'd become so used to the, you know, maybe myth of an idea that we were progressing forwards, that society just naturally progresses. And then suddenly it seems like we're not progressing anymore. It suddenly seems like we're regressing quite sharply. Um, and it, it does feel like a, a loss that people are having to get over. Like there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of bargaining. It's, it's classic, you know, grief behaviour, um, which is what I wanted to explore through these characters. Mm. Like it's, it's essentially about how different characters react to grief, but it's yeah. for their whole way of life. It's yes. just gone. Although having said that, there are some readers who might shy away from books that about post-apocalyptic worlds, you know. But And to, to some extent, I was a bit trepidatious taking this on, but I would say that despite the death and destruction, I found the book to be kind of strangely uplifting. <laughs> yeah. Because there is purpose to be found and roles to play and how we would react. And, and, and perhaps because it is frighteningly realistic, I kind of began to say, oh, maybe, maybe I would deal with it and maybe I would keep my values in such a circumstance. Well, it's um. I I always have said that the book is much more optimistic than me. I think it is it is quite hopeful. It's it's not just about, you know, what evil would humans do to each other if given even more of a chance. It's about you know all of our structures are gone. So what better structures could be built in its yes. place? Um, which is why you know the, the last is a very bleak premise, but it's a book that's full of like, um, really human moments, and it's full of a lot of cooperation. Mm and the forging of these new relationships and, and yeah and trust mm. and all of these things mm. um so I, yeah i think it's quite a hopeful yeah. sort of i think it's got a hopeful message alongside a yes. lot of big questions i was able to sleep um, <laughs> <laughs> um i 
I love the theme of history and the fact that a protagonist is a historian and he sees it not only the purpose of solving the mystery of uh, identifying the murderer but also seeing it as his purpose is to record this history um, of what's happening and, and for all he knows they may be the only people so it's important to record the history and recording people's stories um, and I I love the way that the, the, the American student um, I, is it uh, Tommy Tom, oh, Tommy she teases him about how maybe in his account he's going to be really <laughs> making sure he comes over as the good guy. Yeah. So this idea of record the importance of history and the recording of history, is that something that you are consciously writing about? Is it something that you're interested in? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I'm kind of a, a history student in my spare time anyway. Um, so, you know, I've spent most of my 20s studying, you know, American history specifically. Um, and historians are, you know, not just like compulsive record keepers, um, but they're also natural detectives. That's, you know, quite quite literally part of their job. And um, one thing I've also found, you know, trying to make sense of our, our political landscape now is that historians, the historian's perspective is always the most valuable um, because they are usually not reactionary by trade. It's not their job to react to things. It's their job to interpret and to see this event in the scheme of a much larger story. Um, so yeah, John being a historian, as well as being, you know, an American historian and being a guy and being a liberal academic, like these were all like deliberate decisions because he sees a very wide cast of characters through this particular yeah. lens and he has to work out what, you know, how to make sense of them. Yeah, I think um, uh, I, I did find it fascinating, for example, the way the other survivors were starting to blame the Americans for yeah. what had happened. And I, I think something like eight different nationalities of people who are at this hotel were so... Uh, was that an intended uh, diversity in order to explore these political issues? Um, it, I mean, it was only intentional in as much as it was realistic. Because um, I thought, you know, it's a European hotel. What are the chances that they're all going to be, you know, white British or white American? Like, there's going to be, like, there's going to be black characters, there's going to be children, there's going to be non-Europeans, there's going to be mixed race, um, mixed race people. And, I mean, I mean, that's important to me just from a real realism perspective. I don't think it would be realistic if it was just a load of British people holed up talking to each other um, from that limited perspective. The setting with this isolated hotel among the among the forest. I mean, clearly it's got all sorts of resonances with Agatha Christie and Grand Budapest Hotel and <laughs> Bird Box. There were some things that I thought about and also Stephen King, which you quote Stephen King in the book. Oh, yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, I did, got a sense that you enjoyed playing with those resonances and those echoes from other books. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, like, I mean, it's, it's inevitable as a writer anyway, you end up paying homage to your favourite people. Um, and yeah, Stephen King was a massive influence, especially with the horror elements in the novel. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that people start becoming obsessed with the idea that the hotel might be haunted, that they might be haunted. They start sort of questioning their sense of destiny. And I, I love playing with those questions because I think um, in that sort of crisis state, you know, with the end of the world, I think people would start questioning, like, it, you know, in a religious or spiritual sense. And I think it would, it lends itself to horror really well. And I loved, like, the hotel as a setting um, is already inside a horror setting in the fact that they're so isolated and there's nothing around them but woodland and trees. So it's, you know, it's very claustrophobic and very isolating at the same time, which is, you know, classic Shining, I guess. 
That was my co-host, Kate Price-McCarthy, talking to author Hannah Jameson about her latest book, The Last. Thanks for listening to Love Your Library, the Hampshire Libraries podcast. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to hear more interviews like this, plus book recommendations from our expert library staff in our longer episodes. Get in touch and let us know what you think of the books and the authors we've talked about. And it would be great if you'd rate and review our podcast on iTunes as this helps other people find us. You're listening to Love Your Library, the mini podcast with me, Mary Stone.